from the NFL. We know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head coach. To the NBA. Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players in basketball. Across the landscape of college football. The Pac-12 got how many teams in the top 25? And so much more. Boxing needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott holdout could be coming to a close. The opinions you need. LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep telling y'all my last name is no joke. And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinkard. I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. What's up, Drink? What's up, Jay? What we got today? I'm so glad you asked. In our second episode, the Patriots roll, the Browns get rolled over, and we recap week two in college football. We begin with the latest Antonio Brown news. A mere four hours after Drink and I recorded our initial episode, Brown managed to get himself released from Oakland, and he signed with New England on a one-year deal worth up to $15 million with a $20 million option for 2020. This only adds to a tumultuous offseason for A.B., which has now spilled over into the early part of the regular season. Brown wasn't eligible for Week 1, but should play in Week 2 against the Dolphins. Drink, does the acquisition of Antonio Brown make the Patriots Super Bowl favorites? Well, absolutely, but only if Antonio Brown buys into the system as we think he will. If he, if he buys in, they're definitely favorites. But I don't want to forget about other guys they, they acquired. The Damaris Thomas, we didn't see him yet. Um, we watched the game the other night. We seen what Josh Gordon going to give you. We seen what Julia Edelman going to do. So with Antonio Brown, it's just it's like giving a team a superpower and then making them invincible on top of the superpower is how I look at it. The offense is going to be rolling. But a couple of other things I wanted to look at was I wanted to talk about the acquisition on the offensive line. They did well with that to protect Tom Brady. That was one of the weak parts that we wasn't ready to look at until now. I know we're going to get into the Steelers and Patriots game later, but with that said, to answer your question, I do think the Patriots are Super Bowl favorites. Antonio Brown, he get his act together. They they on the road to success. Randy Moss 2.0. Okay, let me make sure. Let me make sure I got you right. Are you are you reneging on your Kansas City Chiefs pick for the for the Super Bowl? I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a renege. Okay. I have the right. I have the right to alter picks as real life happens. We didn't see Antonio Brown being to the Patriots as we talked about earlier. However, with Antonio Brown now, it makes me it makes me think I I I got to take the Patriots a little more than the Chiefs off the the premise of what we've seen with their defense versus Jacksonville. That's fair. That's fair. And I, yeah, I I agree with you. I think um I agree with you in this sense. I think I took the Patriots a little bit for granted, and like you said, we'll get into the Steelers Patriots and how they looked. But we the Patriots are they're contenders as they always are. To me, it has little to nothing to do with A.B. I think they they contend and they'll be up there with the Chiefs regardless of whether they have Antonio Brown or not. I think he's a luxury item. I think this in some ways compares to Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors. They were already Absolutely, great. Yeah. They, were, yeah, yeah, they, were, they were already great. 
it, it didn't matter whether they had KD or not. It just made it it just made it unfair. And yeah. we'll see we'll see how this turns out. And again, this is a big the AB is a luxury item. We don't know if he'll have his head together. I'm concerned how Phil Belichick and he will mesh. I'm interested to see because what we've seen, everything we've seen from Antonio Brown would lead us to believe that this one this will not work. And I would I would question whether he'll be a Patriot the entire season. If he continues to act the way he acted in his time in Oakland and at towards the end of his time in Pittsburgh. Listen, this guy's this guy's a first grade head case. We know this. We discussed it Friday. I think it's I think it's it's an absolute sham and a disgrace that he forced his way out of Pittsburgh to get thirty million dollars in guarantees. A sham. That look, look, let me let me finish. It's a sham. Yes, I said yes, I said I said it's a sham. He got he got out of Pittsburgh. He got his money, and then all of a sudden, oh never mind. I don't want, I don't even, I don't want to be a Raider. So I. Whatever they don't, he acted fool, acted fool the whole entire offseason. So the Raiders they get they get tired of it. They void they you know they come up with these fines, which voided his guaranteed dollars, and they ended up releasing them. So you go from uh, one of the best organizations, Pittsburgh Steelers, right up in there, to a train wreck in the Oakland Raiders, and now all of a sudden you just you just end up in the best organization in football, where then the Patriots if there's not only the most winningest organization since the turn of the century, but they are the most rigid organization. They ship out players all the time. This is the exception is Tom Brady. It just, to me, it makes, I just question this move. It's just, it, in some, in some instances, I wish Roger Goodell would come down and be like, no, we can't have this. This is a whole, this is a load of nonsense. We're not going to have it. And I wish he would have. And in some in some respects, I wish he would have said, you know what, AB, you've been such a clown and such a head case and such an utter nuisance that we're going to suspend you for one year for conduct detrimental to the entire National Football League. That's where I'm at with Antonio Brown. First of all, I got a question for you. Was it a sham or was it pure genius? It's not. I, I don't look at that as genius. I don't look yeah. at it as genius. Maybe you should. I look at it like this. This whole offseason, we've been talking about how much a clown show Antonio Brown has been. How he's been going left and right. He don't know up and down. Whatever the case might be. I think it's pure genius. He talked his way out of Pittsburgh. He go to Oakland. He gets the exposure from Oakland. Oakland on hard knocks. He, he, he demands certain things. He gets most of the things he demands. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up one morning and say, I'm going to come up with a plan to get on the best team in the NFL. And he executed to the T, to the T. And now he's a member of what you just said, the best organization in the last 10 to 15 years as far as the New England Patriots. He's a member of that organization. He woke up a member of the Oakland Raiders. He went um, and he's going to sleep a member of the New England Patriots. That is pure genius, one. Now, you want to say he should get suspended for detrimental conduct to the NFL for a I, year. That, that obviously won't happen. I'm just saying I, I'd, li- I'd like to see it, but it won't happen. If that happens, the owner's got to talk to Roger Goodell about th- that contract and, and getting a new guy in now. Because you got guys out here smoking their spouses that ain't getting a year. You got to keep, 
keep abusing the drug testing and they don't get suspended a year until time two or three, uh, whether that's PEG, PDs, or recreational drugs, that is. And you're going to tell me just because AB out here with his own reality show, he should be suspended a year? That oh, is, that's, a, that's an absolute fair point. Absolutely. That, um, that I think that's... Uh, uh, that would be a little much. Now, has he been a nuisance? Absolutely. Has he has he caused the show? Absolutely. But let's think about this. The NFL in somewhat is a reality TV show. And he just played his role to the tears. how I looked at it. I thought it was pure genius. I spent my whole offseason talking about all these crazy moves Antonio Brown had made and how he could be mentally incapable of doing the right thing, how he don't want to do do the right thing. He don't want to play football. And then at the end of the day, he gets the last laugh and say, hey, I'm on the star, star wide receiver on the best team in the NFL. Come holler at your boy. So I think it was pure genius. And he he definitely, I, it would work for sure. I think it would work. I have more confidence that he will make this work in New England than I ever had in Oakland. Ever had in Oakland. And what, mark my words. Like I said, Random Off 2.0 Super Bowl, and he's finally going to get that elusive ring. And he might mess around and be the MVP. He might just be that good. <coughs> the MVP. <laughs> yeah. Super Bowl MVP. He will not be the MVP. He will, he will not. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, and I've heard this. I've heard this point about, yeah, maybe this was just this. Is it is it possible that this could have been one whole big conspiracy or contrived manipulated plan you know I, I'll give it to you it's 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 plausible I don't know I don't know if that's what's happening here but it, it could be I, I will I will say this you can you can look at the end point and how he got from Pittsburgh to New England and that's all well and good the problem is the problem for me is the method to how you get there we're talking about this man being in his own truck just running over people all the way to get just what pleases Antonio Brown football you know you know this as well as I do football is the ultimate team sport to me yes. this guy has just ran over just a multitude of individuals including his old head coach Mike Tomlin one of the few African-American coaches in the league where we already know the opportunities are far are far and few for the for the, for black head coaches did he care? No. Did he care about his quarterback? No. He slanders his former teammate, Juju Smith-Schuster, just a kid in comparison to Antonio Brown. G great kid, from, as far as I can tell. Uh, Juju, Juju wins team MVP for the Steelers. Had a problem with that. Gets, gets kicked out, gets, gets out of Pittsburgh, gets shipped to Oakland. They give him his money. He, he, may, may, he makes threats to Mike Mayock. Makes John Gruden look like an absolute fool as far as I'm concerned with the YouTube video with John Gruden in the background. I couldn't believe John Gruden's reaction to that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and throw it out there. I think it's great. I think John, John Gruden, to me, his, he, he's complicit in this mess. I want, you know, in some respects, is Bill Belichick got John Gruden on the payroll on the side? I, it, <laughs> it, make, it makes no sense to me. I, if I was John Gruden, I would have been absolutely furious off of that recording and just all the utter ignorance him and Mike Mayock and the Oakland Raiders have had to endure. Uh, but hey, in back to the in back to the original question. To me, I'm sticking with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think 
I don't think this makes them the favorites necessarily, although I do think at this point it's probably a coin flip for me between the Patriots and the Chiefs. But I'm sticking with Kansas City. Staying on the subject of Antonio Brown, let's talk about the Sunday night game between his original team and his new team. The New, the new England Patriots hammered the Pittsburgh Steelers 33-3 in Foxborough. The Patriots jumped out to a 20-0 halftime lead and never looked back. Led by their 42-year-old all-pro quarterback, Tom Brady. He was in complete command of their offense. While the other quarterback in this game, pro bowler Ben Roethlisberger, struggled to find his rhythm all night. After the game, the Steelers coach, Mike Tomlin, had this to say. We weren't ready for prime time. So, Jay, did this win tell us more about the Patriots or the Steelers? You know, as, as awful and putrid as the Pittsburgh Steelers were, to me, this is still about the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots, and I'm going to say this again, I undervalued the New England Patriots defense coming in. I must admit, I forgot how much talent they have on that side of the ball. When you look at that, when you look at that secondary and then you consider the fact that, look, as much of a head case as I think Antonio Brown is, you can't deny his on-field production. And they certainly could have used it on Sunday night. Receivers could not get open. Big Ben had difficulty all night finding receivers. Their offense never got in a rhythm. They couldn't run the football. But look, the Patriots in the secondary, Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, they just, re- they just extended Jonathan Jones. So much talent in that secondary. So they proved they showed up big time. Bill Belichick, as usual, putting together a great game plan. Uh, and I, can't, I cannot say the same for Mike Tomlin. It, it, was, it was an absolute disgrace of a performance on opening week. But, it, but again, it's about the, to me, it's about the Patriots because – Look, they're at home coming off a Super Bowl win. They came out. They showed out. And look, the Patriots historically, since they since this dynasty began, they own the Steelers. Tom Brady, I believe he, he improves to 11 and three against the Steelers. He's six and oh against Pittsburgh and Foxborough. So P- Pittsburgh doesn't win there. They may not, they don't win there. They don't and they don't win often at all against the New England Patriots. Mike Tomlin, he's now two and eight against Tom Brady. As bad as the Steelers were, and they were bad, this is about the Patriots to me. I think this this speaks more to the Steelers, and here's why. All right, the two guys that we're gonna headline here is James Conner. He had ten carries for twenty one yards, and Juju Smith Schuster six catches for seventy eight yards. Now, what this tells me is it's a difference difference between being the guy that just comes up and replaces the guy, and now you turn into the guy. Both of these guys turned into the guy this year. Last year, they were just the guys that replaced the guy. So it was easier to be a number two than it is being a number one. You're going to tell me that if that's Le'Veon Bell instead of James Conner and Antonio Brown instead of Juju Smith-Schuster, they still get beat thirty-three to three. So I don't think it. I don't think it'd be that bad, but they they'd still lose, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's fair to say they still would lose, but they they would look like a much better team. What this is is you 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 have B players now that's trying to do A player things, and you can't get the job done. Big Ben, 
now has looked looked around, look at the landscape around him and said, you know, I think we're in trouble. No, first game of the season. Can Pittsburgh fix this? Absolutely. My thing is this. I think I don't think the Steelers are, are gonna be able to bounce back this year with the loss of their star running back and their star wide receiver. That's just my opinion. Juju Smith Schuster is a stud. Mm, love the guy, but he ain't Antonio Brown. Connor, James Connor is a stud. He's on his way up. I wouldn't necessarily say I love him, but he's on his way up. But he ain't no Le'Veon Bell. And let's be honest here. Big Ben got used to having a, a star wide receiver and a star running back back there to make things. He didn't have that. For the first time in the last, what, three or four years, he did not have that. And you seen it last night. I mean, you seen it that night. He did not have that. And on top of what you said, he actually played a Patriots defense that was ready. They prepared as a Antonio Brown and Juju, uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell was still on the team. And we seen what happened. That trio didn't work. So I think this tell you more about the Patriots. I mean, more about the Steelers. The Steelers are going to have a problem moving the ball on anybody. Yes, I got it that the Patriots was above average with their defense. But even when I look, I look at the Cleveland Browns defense. They're going to have a problem with that. I look at the Baltimore Ravens defense. They're going to have a problem with that. Hell, I even say they're going to have a problem moving the ball against the Cincinnati Bengals this year because they don't have what they used to have. Mark my words. It is going to be a long season for Big Ben. It really is. He, this team is nowhere as near as talented as it once was a year, two years ago. Nowhere near. Okay. And if they don't, if they, if they don't figure it out yet, if they don't figure this out fast, and they let Cleveland figure out what they're trying to do, hey, it, they might not even win the division. So, yeah, I, I think this tells us more about the Steelers than to do the Patriots. So I just, I just have, I just have a couple questions for you. Did you have the, you had, did you have New England winning this game? I had, I had the. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you did. Okay. Okay. Now you got another question. You said you mentioned James yeah. Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster replacing the guys, moving from hey, number guys. two, op, moving from number two options to number one. Yes. Is James Conner as good as Le'Veon Bell? Nope. Is Juju Smith-Schuster as good as Antonio Brown? Nope. Didn't we know this coming in? Yes, but all the hype was around these guys being able to have the capability to bag up those guys that left. That's what the hype was around. You, see, you. you heard Big Ben in the offseason. You heard Mike Tomlin in the offseason. They made it sound as if, and they was doing their job. I got it. That's but they made they it have sound to say that. that the Steelers wasn't going to miss a beat. And I'm sorry, they missed a few beats. Hell, they missed a whole music note line, if you want to put it that way. So, it was, but it was yeah, it was it was more about just those two guys. Like no nobody played well on that team last night. Offensive line couldn't open holes for look. James Conner, in my opinion, I thought he had a really good season last year. You you if you I, I know you remember Le'Veon Bell sat out the entire season. So yes. this is really James Conner's second season as a starter. And last season, I thought he was pretty good. Now he look he's not Le'Veon Bell, especially in the past game. But look, I still for me it's more about the it's more about the Patriots because even though I picked the Steelers. Look, the Patriots, look, they're a, be they're a better team right now. And the Steelers traditionally have trouble with New England no matter no matter where they play. So, to me, 
that's what to me that's why it's more about the, uh, the Patriots to me because we already knew James Conner and Antonio Brown uh, excuse me James Conner Juju Smith Schuster they're lesser versions of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Yeah, but they are lesser versions. But you're going to tell me you only seen them putting up three points? Come on, man. Three points? Not three points, but look, they, they should have scored, scored more than that with no matter who's in the backfield or who's out with wide receiver. Okay, that's fair. They should be because they're NFL players. That's fair. It's just, I just don't think this team, I, I lost more confidence after this game than I, I, than I had in them already. So, Look, I don't I, know. I just think it's yeah, a long I'm, season for the Steelers. I, I'm well. I, are you backing out of your AFC North pick now? You got the Steelers in it, right? What? What? What did I say? What did I say earlier about the picks? First of all, and then what did I just say? Okay. If they don't get okay. it. If they don't get it together here soon, and they let Cleveland figure it out, Cleveland's gonna win the division. But okay. like I said, this is realistic. We're moving along. Like right now, I say right now. I still have the Steelers winning the division. As okay. of right now, if I had to choose okay. right now, the Steelers still win. But if they yeah. continue to play like this, you know, I yeah, have I the look, right. No, I yeah, reserve no the question right about to it. Move. Yeah, there's no question about it. They have to be better. And look, as bad as they were last night, I'm going to look at it as more of a product of the team they were playing, the environment they were playing. I'm not going to overreact. I think they bounce back in week two, and they'll get it going. Drink. Remember the NFL's number one hype machine this offseason? Yeah, I'm talking about the Cleveland Browns. The Tennessee Titans ripped off 28 unanswered points in the second half en route to, a, to defeating the Browns, 43-13 in Cleveland. The Browns were their own worst enemy, committing 18 penalties and turning the ball over three times despite owning a slight edge in total yards. Marcus Mariota passed for three touchdowns and did not turn it over, while Derrick Henry gained 159 total yards and scored twice. The Titans' defense sacked Baker Mayfield five times, Picked him off three times, capped off with Malcolm Butler's 38-yard pick six. Drink, we both have Cleveland in the playoffs as a wild-card team. This game have you rearranging your AFC playoff picture? No, not right now because you got to give them more than a week. You, you understand, preseason ain't what preseason used to be. It used to be all the players played in preseason. They warm up the motor, get something under the hood. Now half of these players don't play in preseason. If they have any type of status to them, they don't, they don't even risk it. They say, hey, we'll, we'll figure it out during the season. No. Um, right now, I'm going to leave my, my predictions the way they are. Once again, I want to illustrate that I do have the right to change something if something dramatic happens. But no, after this game, absolutely not. The Titans came out. They played their butt off. The Browns got humble. That's all it is to it. The Browns got humble. And specifically, we're talking about two individuals. The head coach, Freddie Kitchens and the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, they got humbled. Welcome to the NFL. They spent this whole offseason building this narrative of people don't like us, everybody's against us, nobody want to see us win. No, actually, the, real, the realization is we do want to see you win before we put you up there in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. This is outrageous. Baker Mayfield got the number one selling jersey without even doing anything. So that... that what I think it did do, it calmed down the hype train. It brought Cleveland back a little bit. It said, hey, you guys are back in the pack. Now, Tennessee, been out of the two teams, I would look at Tennessee as probably the veteran team. They had the most veteran quarterback. They had the veteran players. They came in there like a veteran team. Let, let's not forget, Mariota is in a contract year. He got the show. 
He got this is what they call the show me country. He got to show Tennessee something, or he's out of here. All right, Derrick Henry. He come to prove that hey, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He's a second round pick. He come to come to prove that he can be a franchise running back. Derrick Henry, nineteen carries for eighty four yards, and then he had a seventy five yard screen pass touchdown. He, you know, I just felt like Cleveland got caught up in the headlines and they got clipped. That's what happened. Tennessee came in. Cause Tennessee wasn't looked to do this. Nobody looked at Tennessee and said, hey, they're going to beat up on Cleveland. Most people pick Cleveland. I know I picked Cleveland to win. So it, what it just seemed like to me, it was a whole humbling experience. But no, I would not mess with my predictions. Hopefully the Browns learned from this. Head coach Freddie Kitchens learned from this. Baker Mayfield learned from this. They get their head out their asses, come together, sit down, and realize, this is the top level of football, man. This is the pros. Don't come in here with that college bull crap. Don't come in here with that, that G League crap. This is the pros. Come in here ready to play. Humble yourself and don't, don't let your mouth do the talking. Let your play do the talking. So that's how I looked at that, the outcome of that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you in respect. <laughs> Once again, one week, so I'm not, I'm not going to overreact to this. But I'd be more concerned today if I'm in Cleveland than Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh has a history. Look, just by the history, Pittsburgh has a history of winning Cleveland in the, in the last since Cleveland brought the Browns back to the city. They don't have a history of winning next to nothing. And we spent the entire offseason hearing a bunch of noise from whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's Odell Beckham, just so much noise. And, and then from the media themselves, all the. NFL pundits and analysts saying, oh, yeah, Brown's going places. And I must admit, I, f- I think we both we may have fell into it a little bit because we both got the Browns in the playoffs. That being said, week one, you are absolutely right. This is an absolute humbling experience. And I, I, sh- I shouldn't have been all that surprised because Tennessee is one of those teams that just they to me, they never look all that great on paper. But week in, week out, they proved to be a tough opponent. And look. They came out against these Cleveland Browns, and to me, what happened? To me, what happened is they got ahead. They got ahead early, and they were able to. Their defense was able to really control the Cleveland Brown offense. And then what you saw in the second half after Cleveland, I believe they took the, or they got they got within a point, a couple points with the uh, their second touchdown, and then the Derrick Henry had the screen pass to put the Browns back up by nine. And after that, Baker Mayfield started pressing a little bit, putting the ball in harm's way. All three of his interceptions were in the fourth quarter. So, look, to me, they th- to me, the Browns thought they were just going to walk in there, walk all over the Titans, and it was just going to be an easy – it was just going to be an easy road. And when it didn't go their way, things fell apart real quick in the fourth quarter with all those turnovers. The Titans ran the ball. Marcus Mariota was mistake-free. Look, you got to look at Cameron Wake. They brought him over from the Miami Dolphins. He had two and a half sacks. Their secondary was very good. They they controlled they controlled the game and they took it to the Cleveland Browns. So for me, and then once again, the biggest the biggest thing in this game, 18 penalties. You know that, that's the most penalties the Cleveland Browns have had since 1951. 1951. And to me, that's a direct re- reflection of coaching. There's a, you cannot you cannot have your team that undisciplined and beating themselves. You just can't have that. You you cannot win 
that way. And to me, it's only week one again, but we got to look at Freddie Kitchens early on. We have we got to see more from him. We got to see more from Baker Mayfield. You got the job based on your relationship with Baker Mayfield, and y'all come out there and put up 13 points. Not good enough. They got to do better. One, one more thing I wanted to caveat was one big thing I thought that happened in the offseason that people probably overlooked. That offensive line was average at best, right? And and the GM, John Dorsey, decides to trade away the second-best offensive lineman yeah, in a luck. trade. Yep. Avoid, they already was having a void, and then they left an even bigger void. So I wanted to throw that out there. And two, like I said, um, I have the right to change uh, my preseason picks. And it, it looks as if, if if Tennessee can keep playing like this, it looks as if they'll be able to slide in to that sixth spot that I previously had for the Broncos. It looks like they might be able to slide in. So I'm going to throw that out there. This is a working document. It is what it is. But I just want to throw those notes out there. I got you. Now to college football, where week two featured two headlining games. In the first game, we witnessed the number one ranked Clemson Tiger have his way with the 12th ranked Texas A&M Aggies with a 24-7 throttling. But the second game between six ranked LSU Tigers and the ninth ranked Texas Longhorns delivered a 45-38 thriller with the Tigers coming out on top. Both quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Sam Ellinger, threw for more than 400 yards and four touchdowns in the victory. The victory bumped up LSU two spots to number four in the AP poll. Now, now that gives the SEC three teams in the top five, five in the top ten. So, Jay, what was your biggest takeaway from the week two action? So, real quick, I just want to throw in that A&M Clemson game was 24-10, not 24-7. But my biggest takeaway from week two was the LSU Tigers – defeating the Texas Longhorns 45-38. And the biggest takeaway off of that was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, to me, and this is one of the reasons I questioned LSU last year, if you recall, when they came in against Alabama, there was a whole lot of hype around that game. And I just look at the quarterbacks saying, look, Joe Burrow to a Tiger Baloa is a complete mismatch. Now, this year, with the performance, and a lot of people making some noise off LSU's offense after week one, after week one, and I was I didn't get caught all up. I didn't get all caught up in it. But after week two, what they were able to, go, to do with Texas, we got we got to take them more seriously. The polls certainly took them more seriously. They bumped them up to fourth. SEC's got Alabama at two, Georgia at three, LSU at four. So to me, Alabama, I, I got to think that Nick Saban and those boys paying a lot of close attention because LSU's offense. It certainly seems different. They're spreading, they're spreading you out a whole lot more. They're throwing the football all over the yard. And to me, LSU, their performance against Texas on the road, top 10 opponent, that's my biggest takeaway of the week. Uh, my biggest takeaway of the week would be, not necessarily, that was a good game. I, I thought it was the game of the week, but it's the status of the Pac-12. Um, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, the, the the nightcap of the West Coast games was uh, Washington versus Cal, and Cal ended up winning that game. I don't remember the exact score. It went off so late. But that that I thought that game put the Pac-12 as a whole in the conference in flux. Now it seems like their playoff 
their playoff future hinges on what Utah do, the Utes, a team that most people wasn't even talking about before the season. Um, so my biggest takeaway was what do the Pac-12 do from here? Do Oregon go undefeated and be the representation? Do Utah go undefeated? Something has to happen dramatically for the Pac-12 to have a, a chance to make in the college football playoffs this year. So that was my biggest take on that. But I do I, I do want to iterate that even though, because I know a lot of fans going to freak out, you know, say the SEC got two, three, and four. Here we go with the bias. People, let's pump the brakes. The first college football ranking doesn't come out until November. So with that said, all the time between now and November gives a lot of resume building, a lot of padding, a lot of information to go in that the college football formulate their, their top 10 or whatnot. We just seen this before. We just seen teams with two losses be the number two team when the, the playoff committee come together. It's fine. Pump the brakes. Everybody don't need to freak out. It is the, it's just the way things are panned out right now. But if you're a fan of the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ATC or the Pac-12, you don't have to get bent out of shape about this. It's going to work itself out. It always does for the most part. You might have one spot that don't work out. For the most part, it works out. So that's my takeaway from week two. I got you. I just want to respond to your Pac-12 point. I got you on the Pac-12. It looks after weeks one and two with Oregon going down and then Washington losing at home to Cal. With that, that, to me, that's a bad loss. I don't think the, the Oregon loss, it, it's, not, it's not terrible to, to lose against Auburn, but it just makes it more difficult for the Pac-12 to make me believe that they can get a team in the college football playoff down the line. But I didn't have them in. I didn't have a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff at the beginning of the season. I thought it would be similar to last season where they didn't get anyone in. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm not – I don't consider that – that's not a big takeaway for me, but I got that it is for you. I just want to go to Texas A&M and Clemson real quick. I was, I was, I was very disappointed with Texas A&M's performance. I thought offensively they were abysmal. Kellen Mond, after throwing for 430 yards last year against, to me, a better Clemson defense. I think this Clemson defense compared to last year, they're not as good. But even so, they were able to shut – Texas A&M down. Texas A&M didn't get in the end zone until like six seconds left. I thought Texas A&M's defense, I thought they competed well the entire game against a, against a great Clemson offense. They did a really good job against Travis Etienne. Clemson did a good job adjusting. They got, Clemson got Etienne going in the second half with some screen plays. I wasn't all that impressed with Clemson. I get it. They won. They won by pretty significant margin, but I, w- I was more disappointed in Texas A&M in that one. All right, Drink, it's time for a rapid reaction. A lot of topics and a little bit of time. Take us away, Drink. All right, Saints kicker Will Lux nailed a 58-yarder as time aspired to give New Orleans Saints a 30-28 to win over the Houston Texans last night. Best game of the week? Absolutely. Both quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Drew Brees, I thought they were fantastic throughout. It looked like Deshaun Watson had, had the game won with 37 seconds left. I'll give credit to Drew Brees um, getting the Saints down the field and Will Lutz kicking that big field goal. Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles suffered a broken left collarbone against the Chiefs and was placed on IR. Your thoughts? Well, when the injury initially happened, I said, oh, Lord, here go to Jacksonville Jaguars. Down the drain again. But 
that backup quarterback, um, Gordon Minstrel, I can't really say his last name probably, he came in and he was a stud. He completed his first 10 completions. So I, I don't think that they're in as worse of a situation as I first thought. The Kansas City Chief wide receiver Tyreek Hill would miss a few weeks with a collarbone injury of his own. Should we be concerned about the Chiefs? I'm not concerned about the Chiefs at all. They still have Patrick Mahomes throwing football all around the yard. Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins almost had 200 yards. And if you look at Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, they will be fine. 76ers forward Mike Scott got into a fight with an Eagles fan at a tailgate party before the Washington-Philly game. Can you make sense of that? I really can't unless I get more information on the situation saying, hey, the fan said something inappropriate. The fan put his hand on him something like that, then maybe I can make sense of it. But until then, with the information I have now, no, I cannot make sense of that. The Boston Red Sox have fired their president of baseball operation, David Dombrowski. Are you surprised? Yes, I'm shocked. The Red Sox just won the World Series last year. I don't understand it. UCLA's Chip Kelly says he's not hitting the panic button after losses to Cincinnati and San Diego State. Your thoughts? It don't matter if he hit the panic button or not. They're just not that good. So he just had to go back to the drawing board and hopefully he can recruit better. He gets some more time to uh, mold the team the way he, he thinks it should be molded. But it, it doesn't really matter at this point. They're just not good. Dwayne Wade said he'll be working out with LeBron James before games. You read anything into this? I know he's retired, but could it be possible that he'll make a return with LeBron with the Lakers? Guess we'll see. Last one, Bucks and Panthers on Thursday night football. Who you got? I got the Carolina Panthers. They're just a better team. Uh, I like what I saw from them from week one. I didn't like what I saw from the Bucks in week one. So I'm going to go with Carolina Panthers. I agree. I got the Panthers too. That concludes today's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today. Make today better than yesterday. And holler at you until next time. We'll be right back.